I love this show. Hunt Expo is my favorite. Because it's one of those shows that you actually have the time to do this and sit down and talk. Oh, for sure. Like every time I've been to SHOT Show, outdoor retailer, it's just, it's like going to Costco on a Saturday. What is it about crowds? Um, I mean, there's an excitement level, of course, again, Inspired Wild Podcasts, welcome. Trevin Stoltz is here with Adam Buchanan. And um, we're going to get into a little history of us, his influence on me, my influence on him, yep. and it's a cross deal. And it even goes deeper than that back to New Mexico. But we'll get into that in a sec. Something about crowds. Like today's not bad. Yesterday was actually awesome. Because mm. Thursday, right? First day of the show. It was like this all day long. But like this afternoon, these aisles will be packed. And I get a little claustrophobic. Well, I think you probably do, and most of us do, because we love the outdoors, we love the solitude. When you cram us in a cement giant box here at the beautiful Salt Palace, we all love it, but it is a little against probably our DNA. Yeah. But on the flip side of that, I went, I went and hiked Arches National Park in Moab a couple years ago. If you ever been to Arches National Park, it is crowded. The parking really? lots of mess. Oh, it's insane. Parking lots of mess. You get to the arch. You can't take a photo without 300 photo bombers, literally. And I was sitting there, and I was kind of, like, bothered a little bit. And then I thought about it, and I said, these are people buying Camelback backpacks. These are people buying keen hiking shoes. These are people who are being introduced to the outdoors for the first time. They got their little Nalgene. They got, you know, this is that top of funnel being introduced to the outdoors. How many of those are going to be hunters in 10 years? I don't know. But they're going to have a better chance of being a hunter than sitting at home on a PlayStation. Or, or, or yeah, exactly. exactly. Very so good. When I see yeah. these, when I see these hallways fill up and we get that little anxiety, you know, I tend to think, man, I hope they're shopping at Sportsman's. I hope they're shopping at Dick's and trying out their first bow. Their, you know, because we all had that first Shields. Yeah. I mean. These, these, you know, you make a good point. And I think where it gets to me is about this time of year, this cycle of shows, you've, we've come to a point where we've been doing this repeatedly. Yeah. And so to us, it gets old. I do remember when I started in this industry, I didn't want to miss one of these. And yes. this crowd energized me because I'm pretty high strung anyway. Right. You know, and, I, and I'm a, I like, I like adrenaline. Yeah. But now as I get older, uh, I also like to sit and talk to buddies and sure. not to, not to have to fight my way, you know, to, through the aisles. But the good thing that you see, especially in this show is the more those hallways and these aisleways are crowded, the more hunters we have that have a voice. That's right. That we can take this voice, that we can, as you said, take that OR crowd and make them into a hunting crowd or a bow hunting crowd or a fly fishing crowd or a, you know, that then we can partner up when it comes to public lands, when it comes to our hunting rights, passing on the heritage to our next generation. So that's what I'm excited with my own kids too is exposing them to this and having them experience and feel it and see it and there might be some shock value you know i was walking by and i see this giant giraffe yes you see that i thing? know <laughs> i thought it was i thought it was like a blow-up thing at first when i saw it from a ways away oh, yeah no 
This is a giraffe. Yeah. So, I mean, these people are walking in here and they, it might be their very first time and there's a little bit of that shock value, but it, I think in a lot of ways that's good because we're showing our true selves of who we are and who these brands are and what they represent. Right. And for sure. I think people are attracted to it because it's like, let's get back to our roots. Let's get back to our roots of harvesting and, and how we provide. Right. So let's, let's, let's take a step back. That was a good intro for this. That's good. Now this is the intro to the intro. So Adam Buchanan and I have the common thread of a little town called Las Cruces, New Mexico, where his older sister and I went to school together. It was years later when Adam and I got reconnected. You had just left Columbia. I, right? well, we got had, connected at Columbia. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. You had some stuff you yeah. wanted testing, and you were working for Columbia. And you sent me. Um, do we get. Was it your sister, your sister connected us on Facebook? Or anyway, maybe it via text. I don't yeah. remember. And. So I get a bunch of underlayment, some of the new style, uh, you know, first layer type stuff against, you know, base layer. And um, you said, hey, let me know what your thoughts are. And so I wore it. And, and, and so we connected on that level and gave you some feedback. And then the next thing we know, um, I can't, is that 012? I, I, I can't remember. Anyway, we get picked up by Cabela's and this guy Adam Buchanan is their new social media <laughs> director right. in Denver area and of course we're north of Denver 30 40 minutes yeah. I mean it couldn't be closer because I came from Portland Oregon right and so now Adam who you and I had connected a little bit just through that and the connection with your sister and stuff like that and I knew your family um, and, and now you're there so we were doing projects. We were we were doing social media projects where one of the funnest ones, in my opinion, most creative was the um, the one where we did s'mores. The s'mores. Okay, this was I. This is probably my all-time favorite campaign I've ever worked on in my career. And what this background was is I went to Cabela's and I said, you know, okay, we sell fudge at every Cabela's store, sixty-five doors, and I'm like, what if customers could submit? a recipe but base it around the ultimate s'more we'll figure out what those ingredients are and then we'll turn it into an actual flavor but we need judges and so i had the outback outdoor trevin and his crew come to our and my daughter my daughter yeah, came. that's right airy was there yeah and i'm like well that makes sense because we you got to have a kid there right it's oh, a yeah. s'mores contest yeah. and so we're we're video we're taking pictures get and and, and i believe Diana was there. Diana Holland. And she was, I think she was pregnant at the time. Like she was a, she was, it I was after so. she had her, I, I think her second. Anyway, um, so we end up going and Avery was so excited just to be a part of it. But we put a fire pit on the front. And I thought yeah. that was the, even the cool, like, how are we going to do this? Well, we've, so we roasted our marsh, marshmallows and we had had, I don't know how many submissions you got. Oh, hundreds. But you narrowed it down to, I think, four or five of the top. Yep. And we basically went and made those s'mores, all of us, and did it. And it was fun. Went inside, and then we made those s'mores, and then it was a taste test. All of us went through, and That's we right. tasted it. And I think it ended up being a tie, and Avery got to pick 
the winner of the tie. That's right. That broke the tie. And uh, I mean, it was creative stuff like white chocolate with Rice Krispie treats with <laughs> cherry pie yes. and then then the, then the graham cracker, yeah. right? And of course, the marshmallow. Um, Oh, so good. Okay, so when you selected the winner, we took that flavor. It was like a peanut butter salted pretzel. Mm -hmm. Salted pretzel, that's mm -hmm. what it was. We took that flavor and we took it to the retail ops team. We said, okay, we have our winner and we need to make this fudge. It was the top selling fudge in company history. <laughs> across, And we, we didn't really I share wonder if that. They're still I wonder if they're still selling that. No, they only sold it for like three months. It was so expensive to make the ingredients. But I was like, well, let the record show. Marketing won this round. Right. <laughs> so, you know, and, that, and that's an interesting thing because for the couple years we worked there and then you yep. ended up going on um, and, and greener pastures. I mean, it's, it's, it's a stepping stool I mean, for yep. all of us. And for us at that time, there, there came in uh, the Bass Pro buyout. And just as in any merger or any buyout or things change. And the next thing we know, we, I don't, you know, the people we work with are different people. And, yeah. and so they stepped away from working with us, which was really sad to me because I, I was a Cabela's guy through and through. Yeah. I mean, I remember one of the most exciting things as a kid in Las Cruces, New Mexico, was getting the Cabela's catalog. <laughs> yes. And I would read it like a comic book. Other guys were re Superman, Spider-Man, not me. I'm looking through the Cabela's catalog. Oh, yeah. And um, so it, there was, that's probably, I mean, uh, partnerships come and go. Yeah. And I, everybody we've worked with, I am so grateful and feel blessed to have worked with them and learned something, I'm sure, through them. But then you come, and that one was hard. That was yeah. a hard one for me. So it's because I felt like I had such great relationships with, matter of fact, some of the people that were at Cabela's, um, God, one of them works for Go Hunt over there. Okay. We were just, uh, yesterday I was over there talking about our time together sure. at Cabela's. Uh, Ryan, who was doing the archery, he was kind of head of archery. Yep. He works for Bear Archery. That's Ryan right. has come out to Kansas and hunted whitetail with me. Yeah. You've got to go to Nebraska. I got to that take my, you. One of my first hunts. Yeah. And we, it, you know, the ability those, quote unquote, I'm doing air quotes, people, um, business relationships did, but they created real friendships. Yeah. And those friendships have lasted. Um, uh, I think of Phil Francone who was pretty much boots, uh, footwear, but also yep. I think gifts and stuff like that. Um, he's still one of my dearest friends. And uh, he's my, he actually owns a property that neighbors us in Kansas. That's awesome. And th that hasn't changed. Now, we don't work with Bass Pro like we did, but it was interesting at that time, the way it was structured, we sat at the table. Not only did we work with you in the marketing department very, very closely, but we sat at the table with with the people that ran those organizations, helped them design their Cabela's labeled backpacks, helped them yeah. design feedback on stuff. And it was, there was a personal feel to that. And, um, and maybe they still do that. I don't know. I mean, I, we're not, but I'm not sure. Uh, I, and I think that's the big opportunity that brands need to consider is don't necessarily just look at these partnerships as amplifiers of their brand. 
look at them as these cohorts of product creation, right. you know, to really, because when you're spending so many days in the field, that's what the designers need to know. And when straps aren't working or when something just doesn't feel right, right. that's how brands need to think about their product versus, oh, you're so big on social, your email list is so big, your, your YouTube is this or that. Take it one step further and really bring them in. And that's one thing I did like about Cabela is they, they looked at those partnerships that way. And I don't know what they've done now, but. Well, and, and you correct me if I'm wrong, this whole social media influencer um, push that we're in, this, this, this cycle in the cycle of, of marketing life, yeah. we've seen it go print ads, television. Sure. Now there's a real big, strong digital presence. Um, in my opinion, just because you have a hundred thousand Instagram followers, and you are you, you are deemed an influencer, but are you really? And here's my question to you, and I ask you this because you're the one that I go to with all my social media <laughs> questions. How many times have we sat on the phone and I said, "What do I do here, Adam?" Yeah, and I you, loved it. you said, you know, stay consistent, stay, you know, keep it, and you've always kind of kept us on the straight and narrow as far as consistency. Um, big spikes. On the backside of a big spike, there tends to be a big drop off. Yeah. And you, you don't, that's not your format. Your format is smooth and steady and consistent. And that's where the growth that's sustainable comes in. And, and the reason for that too, when the big, and I love that you brought up the big spike and the big drop off, when people are attracted to you for something that you don't normally do, aka big spike, hey, guess what? This week we're giving away an iPad. Right. So everyone comes to you for the iPad or the, you know, the free thing, the free bow, the, the free, free bow, arrows. the free truck, right. the free hunt in Africa. Next week, when you don't deliver upon that, those people just came to you to win. And that's the, the, the relationship is literally based on a transaction of winning. Well, guess how many people do not win? Everyone who didn't win, but one guy won. And he, he may have just started an Instagram account two days ago just to join it. Right. That's a problem. And that's what brands need to think about is don't do these flash in the pan things that you cannot replicate every day. And that's where you see, you know, the publishing cadence and what you guys do with your behind the scenes. And that's becoming so important because if you can get five new followers versus 50 that actually care about what you're talking about, they're worth far more. You know, the old adage, it's more expensive to replace a customer than to maintain one. Correct. And I, I see that in a retail setting, but I believe it's true in a social media and a relationship that's more digital. I still believe this, the cost is the same. You might, main, you might get someone because of that giveaway. inspirational giveaway <laughs> or whatever, right? Yeah. Or that, that exciting trip that you might win. But where's the loyalty? And that goes back to what I'm thinking about. Um, I have been thinking about about these social media influencers that, um, and I'm not picking on anyone in general, I don't have one in mind, sure. but what I'm thinking is this person's been hunting for six years and now they have a huge social media following, whether or not they got it from hunting or not, they have a huge social media following and all of a sudden, they're deemed by somebody in the back office who's looking at numbers as more important than the guy who's been there 25 years. Sure. And this might sound a little bitter, possibly because I, in, in a way, I, I'm a little, I am, maybe I am a little bit because I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, hold on. I have, I have, my, the experience I have far outweighs that person, but 
they have XYZ. So are they really an influencer? Is someone more likely to buy a bow because I said, look, this is the reason I like it, da 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 da. I've used this, you know, I've used this brand for X number of years, and here's why. Versus someone who has a larger following who sells more bows. Here, here's the big issue that I find with that is a lot of that person sitting in the back room of the brand, they don't look at the outer circle of who these followers actually are. Right. Do they have money? Do they have disposable income? Are, are they actually going to contribute to the hunting industry? Okay. So if you have 10% of the amount of followers they have, well, why do those people follow them in the first place? And the other thing that we've had issues with and what Instagram is, is really jumped on is the fake accounts. Because anyone can go buy 10,000 followers. And they've kind of, you know, dropped this down a little bit. But I give a little pause when someone, yeah, like you said, five years hunting, you've got 100,000 followers. How many of those are robots? And yeah. that's what brands don't pause and say, hold on, what have you done before? What have, what have you produced in the past? So for me, uh, like right now, I think I have 960 Instagram followers. That's fine, whatever. I, I'm not, I don't deem myself a hunting influencer. However, when I'm posting images of me shooting at 100 yards with my Hoyt, my black gold sight, and having a good time with my gold tip arrows, I get messages. People say, oh man, what sight is that? What, I got a question the other day, what size rectangle is on your pin? And again, that's a small scale. It's a very, very small scale. However, when people feel like they can have a connection with somebody, that's where true influence happens. Yeah. And that's where these big accounts, I think, are being uh, reassessed. And brands are starting to think, hmm, is that really driving what I want it to drive? Or is it flash in the pan, get a free t-shirt if you follow these 17 accounts and tag your hunting buddies? I think those days are going to go away. Um, they're still here, but true influence really happens with that consistency, the engagement in the comments below. Yeah, yeah, because I was talking to somebody, I think it was Crispy, um, who is a, you chuckle at Crispy because that's the nickname he gave himself, but he was a, he went over to Iraq, uh, I think it was Iraq, um, and ended up hitting an IED, he ended up saving a lot oh. he lost some guys but he saved a lot I and mean, was laying fire he's on fire and he's laying down suppression fire. anyway i got to spend some time with him he's quite a huge um uh, instagram presence or personality i guess sure. you could call it and he's hilarious but he was talking to me about the same thing the bots type of thing he says you look at it look at when someone posts and then look at what response you get, mm -hmm. okay? I might have X number of followers. There might be someone with the same number of X number of followers. I post and I'll have 63 comments. They'll have four. Yeah. The, it's the engagement that follows that dictates that. So now I have, I do have two questions for you. Yeah, yeah. And they're kind of, they're kind of, uh, they, they leverage off each other. So, Adam, you've taken brands that everybody knows, Columbia, these, these big brands. What does it take, what's a, a good strategy for somebody in a, a brand like a Columbia mm -hmm. to look to build that brand? Then I want to transfer that to, okay, you're two buddies and you want to start a following, maybe a YouTube channel, something simple. Small. But you want to start to build that and you want to build it correctly. What advice would you give 
taking from building big brands like Columbia, Cabela's, you know, and you took Cabela's. I watched you take Cabela's when you first started to where, when you left and saw the growth. Now, that was back in the day when there was some good organic growth. Yeah. It was a little bit sure. before the big uh, uh, change-ups of uh, the <laughs> algorithms and stuff sure. like that, you know. But what methods and principles could you take from that and translate to the little guy who, okay, we started a YouTube channel last year yeah. and we want to grow this. What are, yeah. Uh, Let's start with the big brand. You know, what big brands need to be thinking is what are those things that are unscalable, that are hard to swallow for a marketing manager? Those are the things that need to be happening, AKA, what are those one-to-one -one interactions that can really be special for that end consumer? Um, so, you know, people who think of their audience as like a one-to-one -one conversation is really important. What I mean by that is, let's say it's Hoyt Archery, right? And they're, they're big, they're a big brand. Uh, they've got some really good presence, but what would they do next? I think when someone is starting out or they're just kind of getting interested or even someone like me, I, I'm not that expert of a hunter. I'm probably beginner, maybe intermediate level. But when I'm sharing my content and, and trying to like, join the club in a way, I think these bigger brands need to open those people with white arms and, and not be so focused on record whitetail and record elk. And that's great. And that's super aspirational. But what's going to help grow them to the next level is what the teeny brands are doing is bringing in, they're extending the, the olive branch, if you will, and saying, yeah, come join us. Everyone's welcome. Now, there's still some polarization there, right? You don't want to be so warm and fuzzy that you start to lose your validity of a brand but that is those one-to-one -one interactions of instead of saying hey thanks for posting that we're so glad you love your new your new rx4 but more of what what's another layer you could go spend a little bit more time and say hey um man you got some great form you know see how your shoulder is set like that that's really going to help you keep doing that uh, one thing you might think about it i mean think about if hoy was critiquing people on instagram with their with their bow form wouldn't i mean if, if someone if someone from hoyt looked at my form and was like adam you know think about this try that i'd be like oh my gosh right. i just had like a celebrity right. basically the celebrity brand right. take the time and care about what i care about you personally right and that is unscalable okay and everyone's gonna hear that and be like oh that's gonna take forever well that's what the little guys are doing. And that's why you see these little brands making such big waves. And here's, I'm gonna pull this from Kendall Card who runs Camel Fire and Black Ovis. I interviewed him on my podcast and he I, said- I, I listened to that. This yeah. was my favorite episode mm -hmm. and I said, Kendall, you're just starting out. How did you start out Camel Fire? And he says, we didn't have money, but we had time and we had trust and we bootstrapped trust. And I just, I was like, wow. And he said, I had my 1-800 number routed to my cell phone. So if someone called in, it was like, hey, this is Kendall. Like, how, how can I help you? And I was like, really? And he's like, oh, yeah. I was first line of defense for many, many years. He's like, some days I'll, I'll turn that little system on and I'll answer customer calls. So to answer your question on what a little brand can do, this is a big, one thing is this is a big industry. I mean, there, it's a great industry and, and it, everyone I think can have a voice and start their YouTube and, and that type of thing. If I was just starting out, one thing I would say, just kind of what I said with the big brands, think about what is that little thousand person tribe that you can build 
that people can say, yep, I believe in you. I want to know what's next for you. What's that product? What's the next video? What's the next segment? What's the next point of view you have on techniques, that type of thing, and just being that consistent. And I'll pull from a quote from my good friend, Jay Bear. He's a really, really uh, top-level marketer. Um, and, and Hanley, they both kind of share this, is avoid random acts of content. Think about that, random acts of content. It's like, hey, we're giving away a bow this week and then we don't give away a bow for forever. Or hey, we're, you know, I see this a lot with brands. They're trying to be everywhere and everything to everyone and they're, they're nothing to no one because it's just so random. You don't know what you're gonna get. So consistency, stuff like what you guys do, that consistency is so incredible because people see it flash up on the screen. Think about the real estate that Instagram takes up on one smartphone. It's like 98%. So you have a very finite chance when you're taking over that much real estate in someone's face. I mean, you gotta hit it right. Right. Yes, and I think consistency of quoting uh, uh, not quoting as much as consistency of content. Mm-hmm. Um, content with a purpose, i.e. applicable content. The guy who posts turkey content, strong turkey content during the big game season might not be as smart, might not, I mean, not that there's not turkey guys, but I'm saying, you, you know, turkey season, now we're really strong. It's it's what's happening. It's what's on people's mind. Right. We're connecting to not only their hopes and dreams, because they want to, excuse me, go out and be, you know, successful, but we're connecting to their, to what they're doing. We, we have been very fortunate because our social media, although we don't do a lot of paid stuff, so it's still, it grows at a snail's pace. Sure. But we have, and you taught me this, we've scheduled out social media with a plan. Yeah. Okay, now we find we're working, we, we do social media for two other companies, why? Because they saw what we did and the consistency, and because one of them had just a gal in the office who doesn't know anything about hunting, but yeah. she was taking social media. And they could, oh, we got our social media covered. <laughs> no, you don't. You're not putting your best foot forward. You're not putting uh, a hunter's point of view out there. You're just getting random stuff and putting it on there just to have stuff. Yeah. So good content is better than just content. Correct. Like it, you can't take that checkbox approach of, okay, we're on Twitter. Okay, we're on Instagram. It's like, I'm sorry, but a vegetarian should not be running a hunting company. Right, right. <laughs> Social no, media. Right, right. I mean, they, sure. at least they've got to be out there. They've got to be exposed to it or have some interest in it. They don't have to right. be experts per se, but they need to right. know how to curate expertise of hunting. We have a huge advantage in the fact that we have a library yeah. of thousands of images. So if you were to say, hey, Trev, I need three images. I'm doing a, a, a presentation. I need three images of a guy in camp, a guy walking with a bow, and maybe a grip and grin. I could get those to you like that, <laughs> right? Because we're the categorized, they're on Google Drive. I'd send you links, they'd be high-res images. We did that on the backside for our organizational uh, aptitude. So I could find stuff sure. well, where that came in. Humongous was now we're managing other social media accounts and they need something in relative to off season, I'm building arrows, yeah. okay? Well, guess what? I've got tons of photos <laughs> of building arrows because we're always taking pictures and stuff like that. Sure. I mean, uh, Garrett, 
just when you first sat down, Garrett's already taken probably 10, 20 photos of us just doing this. Okay. Why? Because you capture that moment. We, we steal that moment in time and we save it. I don't know when I'll use that. I mean, I know when I'll use you those photos because when I release this photo or this uh, podcast, it, there's going to be one of those photos will be the, you know, the thumbnail. But so with that being said, uh, that's my curiosity. And then as we transfer to the smaller guys, I think they get a smaller company, the, the, the buddies or whatever, and they're wanting to build this. I think first you have to ask yourself, why? Why are you doing this? Are you doing this to be famous? Well, I can't give you any answers after that, if that's how you're doing it. If you're doing this to build a brand, to develop excitement, to inspire others, then yes, that's where the consistency comes in. And the thousand, as you put it, the thousand followers you pick up that are true loyal followers will go so much further than the 10,000 that are, whether they're bots or whether they're just because they're there for the the giveaway you did in, in, in April. The, the person I look at who's done this very, very well is Ryan Mickler with Order of Man. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. Not necessarily hunting folk. I just walked past him, actually. And he says, Adam, I, I, I like hunting. I'm, I'm not crazy avid. I, I'm more looking at um, being a man and how to help men in, in this day and age. And I'm a big John Eldridge fan. I think you are, too. Hey-o. Um, and, but man, when you look at the history of Order of Man and what Ryan has done, that's a really great organic way. And when he gets in your face on his Instagram videos and says, guys, lean in, like, I'm gonna tell you something. They do. And I mean, it, it, he's, he's taken that thousand, that true thousand, and he just keeps talking to that same thousand. Now he's grown it and he's done very, very well. But if, man, if if you're the little guy, kind of starting out, kind of figuring what to do, watch what Ryan Mickler Order of Man is doing, uh, because uh, that's what he's done. That's what he's built. He didn't have some you know golden wand come down and well, here's your fame and here's everything. Here's it's your, all handed to here's you. Here's your recipe. Yeah, I mean he's just grinded right. for I think he said four or five years now. So I think that's a good model to look at. Okay. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I think the other thing you can't be is intimidated. I think, and I think I I fall into this trap even now in my own insecurities mm-hmm. and in my own vulnerability is I look outside of myself and say, wow, I wish that I was like that. Yeah. But what you don't look is if you were to peel the layers back like on an onion of that uh, typical situation that you want to be like, they have their own issues. They have their own yeah. problems. There's there's huge voids in that. So if we look at within ourselves, and and we do this for ourselves, true true purpose, honest and integrity, that's our driving fo- force. Then all of a sudden we come. We don't live in a society that's a comparative society. We live in a society that this is what I'm doing, and I hope it blesses others. And the results might be identical in those two mm-hmm. scenarios, but the way I perceive it, the encouragement it brings back, the fulfillment it brings back to sure. me, a plethora higher with a proper perspective. Yeah, I've been through my own journey of that. You know, I've done public speaking. I've, I've spoken on stages of, you know, hundreds of people and done that professionally in marketing. And there's a high that comes from that. And in some ways I was kind of emulating other people too much and trying to build a business around that. And I kind of fell apart there. This last year I I had a really big, just kind of mental dip and had to sit back and figure out what the heck am I doing? Who am I trying to be? 
and what I was literally, I mean, I was showing up in a suit and a necktie at these events trying to be this famous guy and it didn't work. And so when you share that, I've been through that and I recently went through that and now I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm not going to be that anymore. And so as I think of my next steps and my next moves of who I'm going to be, I just want to serve others and, and bring others uh, joy. I mean, even uh, this is kind of funny and a little random, but I mean, my wife had our used car uh, 2008 Honda Odyssey and we, we sold it and I said you know I'm gonna make a funny video about this and I'm gonna go through and I'm joking and I'm showing the drop-down DVD player and I say hey you know if you give me a full price offer I'll give you Grey's Anatomy uncut season two with it and and I shared it and man the people like when they watch that there's like that made me laugh like I needed that and I loved that and it really brought a lot of joy to people's lives and I just thought man I've kind of kept that talent a little hidden that I love to make people laugh I, I want to be somewhat of a comedian I've got stand-up comedy sketches that I've written out and I haven't ever done them on stage and that's that kind of thing of like that's what really matters is being yourself finding out really how you can serve and help people and it, it didn't go viral I don't care if it goes viral it's just yeah. a dumb little video yeah. but for the people that it mattered to, they came back and they just said, thank you. Like, yeah. that was super great. And I just thought, I think that's what the little guys need to be thinking of, is what is their flavor? What is that thing that they can own? Not what Cameron Haynes is doing or not what any of these other bigger influences. And I love what he's done. He owns what he does. Or even Gary Vaynerchuk. You know, people look at him like, oh, I'm going to be like Gary V." don't we don't need another Gary V we don't need another Cameron Haynes bless their souls they're awesome be be yourself you know, be the best you you can be and I think I'm 48 now I bought my first pair of glasses to read <laughs> right you know I'm at that stage and you know the cool thing is is I'm coaching wrestling you know I was wrestling was a huge part of my life growing up you yeah. know and I'd gotten away from it and I'm filled with this outdoor world and this hunting my daughter's 14 i only got her for four more years she's gone she's going to go off to college and she's going to live her life these are the things that matter mm -hmm. and i'm in this soul searching journey this last year with my wife of course of what really matters i'm passionate about sharing my adventures it's the only reason i do this yeah but i'm also passionate my family comes first and here I am wrestling. I don't have any dog in the fight because I don't have a son, but I'm wrestling and I'm coaching these mid-school at Resurrection Christian in, in Windsor, Colorado, little mid-school, you know, private school. And, um, and there's guys that are good and there's guys that this is their first year. And you know one of the things that I, has blessed me the most is translating how being a good wrestler can teach you how to be a good man. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean you win every wrestling match, but the way you approach your workouts, the way you approach that, the difficulty translates into manhood. I would have never thought that. The the head coach is a good friend of mine, and he that's how he thinks. Like you know, kind of like that the idea of uh, sure. boyhood to manhood, that that journey, whether it's Eldridge or whoever, the order of man, whoever. Yeah. There is a and to be a part of that for these guys' lives. You know, I'll, I'll, depending upon what I draw this year, I'll have a great season. And then next year, I'll have a, there'll be another season. But this person, this soul, will only be that age for so long at this point in time. And if I can speak into their life, that matters. And so Absolutely. it puts everything in perspective. Yeah. 
you know and um, you know for you guys listening I know that this maybe it's this is a, a little uh, touchy-feely for you but I think for me I've been so hard nose to the grindstone in this industry for so long that that you forget about real life and that Real life is all entangled in the outdoors. We can learn so much about ourselves and about creation and about all of these things through the outdoors. Um, and if we're fo- center focused, us focused, all of a sudden we lose that and we get tunnel vision yeah. versus being able to embrace it. So I love that. Um, one thing, your, your podcast, share where people, because I think you, if, if you're interested in any type of marketing, I don't care if you're a marketing director for a company or whatever, I think your podcast could be very influential to people listening. If you're that guy who's sure. got a buddy and you're going to do YouTube, still, I still think there's a lot of, like like the Kendall, when you did that that podcast with him, I listened to it, I think I listened to it twice because there were some things there I was like, Oh, that hit that yeah. hit home. Uh, the the podcast is called the Marketing Trust with Adam Buchanan. Uh, when you see the logo on iTunes, it's got big red glasses, and uh, yeah, I've got about twenty two episodes. I have taken a pause for a while, but they are all live. And a lot of people, I get that comment a lot. You know, people go back and they're like, "Yeah, I had to listen to this one again because you kind of touched on something." So, uh, thank you for that. I that gives me motivation to to keep going on that. Um, uh, but yeah, the Kendall episode was very interesting because we all know Camifier. We, mm-hmm. we all know Camifier. They've done an incredible job. But to hear the early days of that, yeah. I think it helps all of us and even Kendall kind of ground a little bit of like, oh, <laughs> there's a reality here. And um, so Kendall does an incredible job. We even I, talked- just, I just saw him. You did? Yeah. Did he walk by? Uh, no, I just saw him when I walked in early this morning. Oh, he was walking to the, nice. to the Camifier booth. I'll have to drop by. Yeah. Yeah, Kendall is a huge mentor of mine. He brought me in at uh, backcountry.com uh, over oh, yeah. 12, 13 years ago. He really extended a, an olive branch I'll never forget. And uh, yeah, love Kendall. He's a phenomenal human. Okay, before we go, though, I, we've got to talk about that first hunt. Because yeah. to me, that's still <laughs> one of the funnest. Um, I just felt awesome to be able to be there. And it w- it wasn't that typical hunt we go out. It was so cold that first oh. morning in the tree stand. It was a four, minus four degrees. Minus four, minus 10. And we, luckily I had had those two heater body suits or we wouldn't <laughs> have been able to stay. No. We, we It was so cold, deer weren't moving. Yeah. And it was nine, not 10 o'clock, four, we, I think we even saw a deer move. So then we move, I believe we moved from that tree stand over to the edge of a field where we had kind of a hay bale looking blind. Yeah. It was a lot warmer. It had warmed up considerably. I don't think we were sitting in the heater body. (laughs) No, I think it was like 10 or 15 degrees. Yeah, you're right. So right towards dark, sure enough, here comes this doe. (laughs) And I remember, now of course, I'm trying to just run camera. I've got the GoPro and I've got the, and I'm trying to get in my position and I'm kind of letting you do your thing. And I just remember looking at you and you, adrenaline had hit you (laughs) full board. And you had the leg shake, the little shiver in the leg. And, um, And then I remember we were waiting and waiting and she's coming out, she's coming out and you came. And then I just remember at the shot, I had no idea where the arrow went. Yeah. I'm not sure you knew where the arrow went, but it was like, I turned and looked at you and the, your eyes were as big as, as saucers <laughs> and you had the biggest smile on your yeah. face and you said, holy, mo- I think I'm going to throw up <laughs> because you had such an adrenaline dump. Yeah. It was insane. And so I do remember the arrow probably went over 
20 inches over her back. I mean, I was. I think way you just. Off. I think you just were just. It was like pin anywhere near and just yeah. let her fly. And I think what the other issue was, we're shooting from a ground blind. I never shot from a ground blind, and I was. I'll tell you, I was so nervous of ramming that arrow right. into the side of the ground blind that right. I was like, oh man. So then, arrow flies. She runs off. And I'm just like, holy smokes. And you look at me and you're like, there's another one. Get another arrow ready. And I'm like, I can't handle this. This is too much. And so I try and I think I clanked something, made a noise and she ran the other off. one ran yeah. off. But that was the most exhilarating few moments. And that was a hard day. I mean, I, I, I grew up skiing. I've climbed Mount Rainier twice. I didn't know cold existed like that. Yeah. That was cold. That was a hard day. And that fueled my love for hunting now where I'm going out a lot. And you're, and you're doing tons of solo stuff. Yeah. And uh, you killed your, uh, you killed a mule deer? I got a deer uh, two years ago, my yeah. first archery. Yeah. It was 60 yards up a 45 degree slope. And it was one shot, 40 yards, she was down. And it, that was that next level. That wow. got me to where I am now where I'm like, wow i can do this and i and so it's just propelled from there and i've been loving it the solo stuff has been great um people like kendall i you know we still have not been on a hunt together and we're both local yeah and but he has been so i mean i was out running my machine with my kids scouting for elk last season and bam here comes kendall and his side by side and you know he's just giving me some pointers and um but yeah it's just been an incredible journey well i was just so still look back on that and uh, with fond memories because it, to me any way that i could play a part in your journey yeah i, I just feel blessed to, to do to be there yeah you know? and i go back to that too and it's always we always remember the misses for yeah. sure and i replay that one sometimes and uh but just to even have that extension now. And I think that's what's cool about social media is we don't have to call each other every day. We don't have, you know, it's a cool way to stay in touch. I can see what you're doing. You can see what I'm doing. And and then when those times come, we're like, man, I need some advice. Tell me about decoys or tell me about this. What, what do you know? And right. as I kind of gain more knowledge and stuff and... Uh, and and likewise, on the flip side, there's been yeah. many a time I said, hey, dude, I got to talk to you about this. Yeah. So here's what we're encountering. We're doing social media, da, da, da. You know, especially as they kept jacking with the, the, uh, the uh, what am I trying to say? Algorithm. The, the algorithms for these. And I'm like, okay, I remember when we started this organically. Like our first year after you and I sat down, and we saw like an 80% growth, all organic. Sure. Then the next year, we were lucky to get 17 and it's then rough. the next year it was even worse and yet we're still we're getting better on what we're content oh, we're yeah. putting out and we're getting you know so i think part of that is is you know you got to play within the rules yeah. of the game and right now the rules of the game are different than they used to be and i will say for those listening email 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 make sure you're capturing emails make sure you're building out good fresh lists that is how still tried and true email marketing yeah. and because i think for a while everyone went so heavy social because it was cheap and it was fast and it was easy email is still the way still to the sell key. still the key okay so well that's great stuff adam Thank thanks you. for sitting down with me i this mean it's been great uh, i knew you were going to be here i was hoping it would be today because we're flying out tonight yeah and um so 
yeah, I, this is great. Thank Sit you here. so much. And you know, yeah, it's always fun to run into and obviously uh, jump on the podcast. So that's yeah. great. Well, great. And again, go check him out uh, on, on Instagram um, and, of course, the podcast. Um, and as always, folks, it's not going to get old because we want you to go out. Find what inspires your heart, man, what, what that wild place that drives you, inspires you, and uh, embrace it. God bless, and we'll see you down the trail.